So I believe God has prepared our hearts, you can keep, uh, for this morning. And hearts are wide open, and I think this morning's word is going to be, it's going to be really good for us. Um, we, in a, we are in a series at the moment in the book of James, and we're looking at chapter 4 today. And the topic of today's sermon is how to end wars. So if you have any conflict in your life, in any area of your life, this is going to be incredibly helpful. Uh, Today's message can help our relationships. It can change and challenge us in the best way possible. And it can, how can I, alleviate us from all the pain of conflict or the pain from conflict and all the emotional strain that goes from conflict in our lives. And this morning's message gets to the root of the problems. So you can sit here and you can be closed off, or you can be absolutely open and say, Lord Jesus, if you've got something to say to me, then, then I'm all ears. So Brent has already prayed for me, and we've had um, Bronwyn come up and give a word. We've had Raymond come up and give a word all around the heart, and this morning's a heart issue. This morning is about dealing with our hearts. Uh, in James chapter 4, James asks a really significant question, and the question is this, what is causing quarrels and fights among you. So that's James 4 verse 1. What is causing quarrels and fights among you? What is one thing that every marriage has in common? <laughs> maybe, maybe there's one or two that don't. <laughs> Conflict. Conflict. It's unfortunate but true that if there is any form of relationship, there is probably conflict. When last were you fighting with somebody and there was tension and you were angry and you were upset and in that moment you took out your phone and you were like, let's take a selfie, you know? <laughs> you wouldn't do that because you value your life. And, <laughs> and, and if you did that, it would be like, hold on, why on earth would you want to capture and memorize that particular moment? Um, we don't want that. We don't want to say, this is an experience that I want to, you know, hold on to, cherish and advertise. Social media shows one side of the story. No one's ever taking a picture of their absolute meltdown fight at home and then posting that on social media. We don't advertise conflict, yet it doesn't mean that it isn't there. So James is asking the question, what is the source of our conflict? If you have any conflict in your marriage or life, what is the source of that conflict? And most of the time, if not all of the time, the answer is simple. They are. The other person. It's them. It's their fault. If they would change, there would be no more conflict. Am I right? If it wasn't for them, we wouldn't have problems. (laughs) Right? My spouse is the source of my conflict. If my children would just do what I say. No, amen, all the parents. Now we're talking. There'd be no more conflict. If my parents weren't so controlling, there'd be no more conflict. If, if it wasn't for my boss or my teachers, if they were different, there would be no more conflict. If drivers would just drive the way that I drive, we would have no conflict on the road. Fortunately for me, my car's fitted with a beautiful hooter, which I use to help other drivers improve. <laughs> so if, if I've ever hooted at you, it's a pleasure. I did it for your benefit. <laughs> In other words, the reason that we have conflict is because of you. Now turn to your neighbor and say, it's your fault. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, guess what? I don't have a neighbor, so it's not my fault. (laughs) 
Uh, now the whole church is going, I know what's wrong with Tim. <laughs> so James takes us a little deeper. And I see I haven't put these in red, but they should be on the screen. James 4 verse 1 and 2a from the New Living Translation. It says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? Don't, now how's this for posing a question to a possible solution to the conflict? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? You want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. And as we go through this text, we'll see how James takes us deeper and deeper and deeper and eventually gets to a root issue. So to simplify, James is saying this. The reason that we have conflict is because we are not getting what we want. It's a root issue of conflict. When there's conflict, it means that I'm not getting what I want. I have certain needs and desires and expectations, and they are not being met. I have a certain plan on how I want life to go, and you are coloring outside of the lines. Hmm? And this conflict can vary from super superficial inconveniences, small little things to monumental compromises. Conflict can erupt over the smallest insignificant situations. Like when I'm driving in rush hour and somebody far more important than me decides to slow down all the traffic and cut in right in the front. (laughs) That irritates me. That slows me down. That inconveniences me. You are upsetting me. So conflict rises up in my heart, and my preferred outcome for that person isn't positive. (laughs) It's not, that's a polite way of putting it. (laughs) And of course, there are times where we are completely in the right. There are times that we are absolutely right, and the other person is completely out of line. James doesn't deny this. There are those times. He's saying that conflict is birthed from us not getting what we want. And when this happens, it essentially raises heart issues that we need to address. And this morning, I believe God spoke to us, soften your heart. So the scripture highlights two heart issues that I'm going to talk about today. Quite heavy stuff, but so helpful if we will get it up. I'm telling you, it will, be, it will change your life. If you're not married yet, it will prepare you for your future. If you are married, married, it can dissolve conflicts. If there's conflict in any area of your life and you take this to your heart, it can disarm that thing completely. Stay with me. Today is incredibly helpful. Um, Before we label anybody as wrong and us as right, there are things that we could be carrying in our heart that need to be addressed, and it's got nothing to do with the other person. So nothing to do with them, what they did, it's got nothing to do with that. And they are, number one, idolatry. Number two, a lack of trust in God. Now let me explain before you (laughs) feel very judged. Um, verse 2 says, you know, it says this, you don't get because you don't, uh, I mean, you, you, you have conflict because we want what we don't have. There is another word for saying that you don't have what you really want, and that is the word covet. This is where we want something so badly that we believe that we can't be happy, content, or complete without it. I need this to work out a certain way, and if it doesn't, my happiness is absolutely gone. And these desires, they're not always sinful. It's not like everything that we desire is a bad thing. We can have a desire for someone to be punctual. You've got a 10 o'clock meeting, they're there at 10 o'clock, and that's a healthy desire. Or to obey the rules of the road, I think that's fair enough. Or to be considerate or compassionate or understanding. Anything we believe is a legitimate expectation, yet when these desires 
become demands and cravings that control how we feel and how we act. It exposes a heart issue. And James ties coveting to idolatry, and he ties these two together. He says, well, he doesn't say. Idolatry is when we look outside of God for something that can only be found inside of God. So we look for our satisfaction, our happiness, and our contentment and feeling content outside of God. We need this and that, and I need things to work out a certain way, and if they work out in that way, then there will be no more conflict between us. You know, these things dictate how I feel and how I act. Therefore, when they don't give us what we want or don't behave the way we want them to, we feel that they deserve our anger, our punishment, our shouting, our silent treatment, our rejection, and so on, and we are justified in treating them that way. Imagine, for all of us, God being the genuine source of our contentment and peace and our joy and our security and our stability Not someone else or something else. Imagine God being the foundation of everything that gives us security in this life. God is sovereign and good, and therefore I am absolutely secure, and He is my source of peace, and I can trust Him completely. When we want something so badly that we are willing to compromise to get it, we are looking outside of God for something that can only be found inside of God. Are you with me? This is fundamental. Foundations being laid here. And James is saying that a root issue of our conflict, one of the main reasons that we fight, is misplaced expectations. I have a desire and it's not being met. Therefore, there's tension. At least help with this thing. Or at least do that. Or, you know, this is what I expect. It's not being met. Therefore, conflict starts to rise up within us. And this doesn't mean that we, we don't care about how people treat us. Of course we do care about that. It's, it's saying that how we behave... Or how they behave is not my source of peace, joy, stability, security, and um, satisfaction. Listen to this amazing quote. St. Augustine said that emotions like rage and bitterness function like smoke from a fire. We can follow the trail of smoke back down to the fires in our hearts. And they are usually fires we have built in worship of an idol. I'm going to read that again because it's profound. Emotions like rage and bitterness function like smoke from a fire. We can follow the trail of smoke back down to the fires in our hearts, and there are usually fires we have built in worship of an idol. So often when it comes to conflict in our marriages and many other relationships, um, people get so good at opening all the windows and opening all the doors just to let the smoke out of the room, but they're actually never getting to the root issue of why the fire's there in the first place. And for most of us, I was, I'm, I'm very slow to get this. <laughs> for most of us, we're so busy dealing with the fire, we never, I mean, with the smoke, we never get to the fire. And therapy or psychology outside of scripture, forgive me, is like smoke management. Therapists are wonderful, and they're good, and they have their place. But if it's not rooted and grounded in scriptural, biblical values, it's smoke management. Until we put the fire out, we continue to struggle and suffocate. And most of us default to, but it's their fault. And James is saying, Tim, that's your fire to put out. I I, I was thinking when I was going through this and prepping, I was like, Lord, does anyone in the church need this message as much as I do? 
I'm telling you now, this is a hard one to get. You know, but Lord, I crave affection and attention and comfort and vindication and a trouble-free life. Cravings underlie conflicts. Get that. Cravings underlie conflicts. And we can talk about the smoke all day and how uncomfortable it is and how we wish it wasn't there. And James points to the conflict is just the smoke. That's just the smoke. Then he takes us further, explaining the source of the fire, why the fire is there, and how to put it out. James 4, verse 2. I don't know why all my colors gone. I don't know if the scriptures are up there. James 4, 2, NLT. Um, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't, sorry, but you can't get it. So you fight and wage war and take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. In other words, are we trying to squeeze out of somebody else something that only God can give us? We all do it. We are so guilty. I am especially so guilty. We try and squeeze out of other people what only God can satisfy. And because of the disconnect in the vertical, there's brokenness and conflict in the horizontal. If we settle ourselves here... We will have peace here. This is huge. Because wars have started over such significant issues. We know we turn mountains, uh, molehills into mountains. Because at the time, it is a mountain to us. And that's all we can see. Because, you know, and at the time and over time, our feelings are completely real. They're completely overwhelming. They're completely right. And therefore, I'm justified in any response that I have. When we get married, we can look to our spouse to complete us. I mean, we, we can't look to our spouse to complete us. Compliment, hopefully. But we cannot look to another person to complete us. As soon as we do that, we open the door for conflict. We cannot look to our spouse, our parents, our children, our boss, our friends, or other people. Your satisfaction, your wholeness, your complete being is not found in any of those things. And it's a very hard lesson to learn. As the old saying goes, those we outlast... We demonize because you, they, can, they can never reach up or match up to our expectations. And when they fail us, which they will, then what we do is they, we pour out our wrath on them. And James saying it's a heart issue. Listen to this. If you're taking notes, write this down. Conflict in the heart leads to conflict in the home. In other words, the conflict in the home is just an expression of a heart issue. James goes on to say, and when they ask, they don't get it because your motives are all wrong. So in other words, I want something and I haven't got it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask God for that thing that I haven't got because when I get that thing, then I'll be complete. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure, you adulterers. This drives home the fact um, that our conflicts come from us looking uh, outside of God for something that can only be found inside of God, and then our prayers revolve around us getting what we need in order to be satisfied and happy. So my prayers end up being completely based on the fact that if God answers this prayer to give me this, then I will be completely satisfied, and God's saying, I'm not answering that prayer because it's an idol. <laughs> Welcome to City Hill. <laughs> Hope you're enjoying your, your visit. Um, we are looking outside of a relationship with Jesus for something that can only be found inside of a relationship with Jesus. It's spiritual adultery, and we are all guilty. 
Oh, Lord, I really need that raise. How many of you right now would really need a raise? Everyone's scared. I, I, am I even allowed to want that now? I've got my heart sore. It's, there's nothing wrong with wanting that desire. Yet when we say, unless I get more, I can't be satisfied. I'm incomplete without that thing. Or unless they change, unless I make the team, unless I meet somebody, then I'm not complete. Then we've moved from the incense of worship, which is I exist to please you, Lord Jesus, and you are enough, to the smoke of idolatry. You exist to please me. You are not enough, and if you answer my prayers, then I will have enough. God's saying it's idolatry. Can you be completely satisfied with me alone? And I think we say that. We sing that. Oh, Lord, you're all I want. You're all I need. Until everything else is gone and that's all you've got. You go, oh, Lord, I'm broken. <laughs> um, so where am I? We are all guilty. And it's not like God doesn't want us to have the desires of our heart. God really does want to give you the desires of your heart. Uh, he says this, that he, he wants us to move from wanting more he wants us to move to wanting more of Him than wanting more from Him. Because what we do is we go through life and we think our satisfaction and our joy and our completeness and everything is just when I receive that thing, when I receive that thing, when I receive that thing. And we keep saying, Lord, I want more from, I want more from, I want more from. And God's saying, I won't answer that until you ask for more of. When you, when you want more of me, then you'll get more from me. And then, Yeah. And we go, but Lord, when I get more from you, then I'll be pleased with you, and then I can worship with peace. God's saying, worship me because I'm worthy, not because I gave you what you thought would satisfy you. Um, Psalm 37 verse 4 says, delight yourselves in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your hearts. Worship is to delight ourselves in the Lord, and His answer to our prayers is yes and amen. Idolatry is to delight in our desires. What's so amazing about James is that he doesn't just say, look, you've got a problem, everyone. He shows us the problem behind the problem and then how to fix the problem. So how do we end wars? How do we remove the fuel from the fire that's creating this conflict in our heart? On a personal level, my pride has cost me so dearly in this area so many times, far more than I'd like to actually admit. admit. Um, If you're writing notes, write this down. This is very important. When it comes to conflict, if you are having a fight with somebody right now, the goal is to be right with God. The goal of your conflict is to be right with God. When we leave the with God part out, we can win the argument but lose the war. We're right on the outside, but we're wrong on the inside. We can feel so good about being so right and that we got what we wanted, yet we burned bridges, we failed the test, we've lost our testimony all at the same time. Idolatry says the most important thing is that I'm right and I get what I desire. That's idolatry. I'm right and I will get what I desire. Worship says the most important thing is that I'm right with God and do what He desires in that order. And then God says this, when you, your heart is to be right with me, then I will give you the desires of your heart. This thing is traveling. So if we are in conflict right now, how does James tell us to be right with God? And I, I know this is so, so simple. It was written 2,000 years ago, and we still have cons morning on the way to church. So um, the solution is old, and it's super simple, 
But obviously it's difficult to receive, otherwise we wouldn't have any conflict with anyone because we would have received this thing. James 4, verse 6 to 10, 6 to 10 says, and, when he, and he gives grace generously, as the scripture says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So when we're fighting with our spouse and we're proud and we think, I'm right, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So there's a devil outside of your conflict saying, you are right, fight for your rights, stand up for yourself, you need to win this. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done, because we are all guilty. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. James 4, um, I mean 4, 6 to 10, sorry. It, it simplifies. I'm going to put it into two categories. How to get rid of conflict. We humble ourselves and we draw close to God. There we go. You've heard it. Now you'll never have conflict again. Thank you for coming. Um, <laughs> please note, this is so important. It doesn't say you tell the other person to humble themselves. And they must draw closer to God. It would help. But God says, you humble yourself and you draw closer to God. Oh, but Lord, I'm right. Again, humble yourself and draw close to God. You know, and I think, oh, I wish so-and-so was here to hear this message. Oh, they really need this. <laughs> That's the kind of thinking that got us into conflict in the first place. Clearly, this is more difficult than it sounds. I'd say it's proportionally difficult depending on our level of pride. Uh, you know, we all think we're wonderful, and then all of a sudden when you come to this thing and you go, you, you, can, you can be so right and you can revel in your rightness, and God's saying, can you humble yourself? So, and Safiso last week preached on wisdom. Knowledge is to say, okay, I understand this. Wisdom is to start applying this. Our marriages, our relationships with our friends and our family and our colleagues and strangers will be significantly different if we had absolute peace and security in our relationship with Jesus Christ. And what you think and say and do does not rattle me. Of course I care. Of course it affects me. I have feelings. But it's not where my security comes from. I'm saying that's where I'd love to be. James 4 verse 10 says, Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honor. So when it comes to conflict, the coin of humility has two sides. And I'm going to read them both. One, side 1, this is 1.1 if you're taking notes. We humble ourselves by acknowledging that there may be a good reason that God is not giving us what we want. Maybe you're trusting God for something right now. And God's saying, takes humility to trust that I actually know why that hasn't come yet. Psalm uh, 84 verse 11 says this, For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. So this, you know, when we don't get what we want, it doesn't mean that God isn't good that he doesn't care, that he doesn't know, that he doesn't see. God sees exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. He knows exactly what you need. And can we say, Lord, in humility, I trust you, even though I haven't seen that yet. And actually, Lord, even if you didn't answer that prayer, which I feel is a fundamental need in my life, I'm secure in you. 
You are all I need. God knows exactly all the details. He does not overlook your pain, your suffering, your confusion. And I know, I believe this, there are people in this room that are carrying things in their heart that their spouse doesn't even know. And you have these wants, desires, and needs. And I can tell you, if you take those things to God, God will satisfy your needs because He is where your solution is found. And the more we harbor those things, the more conflict starts to rise. Oh, but Lord, I need what, you, what they are not giving me. I need um, what I need I can't get from them. Humble yourself. God says, I see your struggle. I understand your pain. Can you trust me? If God is withholding what we think is good, his reason is better than our desire. Oh, but Lord, I, I need that relationship. I need that raise. I need that win. I need that healing. I need that connection. To humble ourselves and say, God knows that already. And he's saying, you are absolutely at peace and you're secure and safe when, you, when I know that you know those things. You need those things. And if you want more of me, I'll, you will get more from me. But be secure in who I am. Even if my plans go absolutely If my plans are the opposite to God, Lord, I will lay down my plan and I will follow you because you are worthy of trust. To humble yourself is a very difficult thing. This is a heart issue. Um, As a church, like twice a year we we fast together. The whole goal of fasting is to humble ourselves. So I encourage you, you don't need to have a church fast, but if you want to, take a day, fast, and say, Lord Jesus, help me to soften my heart and to search my heart. Not to be so concerned about what everyone else is doing, but help me to have a moment with you. And when we, when we fast, we like, Lord, I need food. I need, I need that food, otherwise I'm going to die. And God's saying, that reminds you of how desperately you need me above all things. The sustainer of life. Anyway, the, the second way that we humble ourselves is we humble ourselves by admitting that our idolatrous, idolatrous desires are a major contributing factor to the conflict. The person could be wrong. And let's just say that they are. the person you're in conflict with is wrong. Humility is to recognize that our response, our anger, our bitterness, our rage, our negative emotions or actions go deeper than the topic of conflict. And it's revealing that our hearts are attached to something else to make us happy. Thank you, Peter. <laughs> the fact that this thing owns me the way that this thing owns me means that it is my master and not God. And how many of us are absolutely owned by the emotions of the moment? It's not your master. It's not your God. Your satisfaction and joy are not even found in those things. And even if the other person said, I'm completely in the wrong, that's not where your security and stability come from. Imagine attaching ourselves to the one who never breaks. The source of our peace and our security and our stability and all that we need to live our best lives. So James is saying... So you think you have conflict. I know the problem. It's found in the mirror. So what we do is we angle the mirror towards our spouse. (laughs) There it is. There's the problem. I know that, wow, I I wish we would learn things. As fast as we heard them, we would understand them. I know from personal experience that looking in the mirror before sun's out, gun's out, I'm gonna win this thing. I have all the facts and the evidence and the reasons and excuses and ammo to win this fight. The problem starts here. And humility is the doorway to our peace. This isn't about being a doormat 
and anyone, you know, like anyone, even the most ungodly people can stand up and fight for their rights, but to take humility and say, let me search my heart before I win this fight, takes genuine strength. That's strength. Uh, Nathan, I was chatting to Nathan, uh, Belinda's son, um, Zinni's brother, and, and he was just saying, he was talking about meekness this week, and he says that the ability to, to um, wield your sword by choosing to leave it where it is, choosing not to. So sometimes when you're in a conflict situation, you can pull out your sword and you can win. Or you can just leave it where it is and go to God. How many of us have siblings? Show of hands. Yo! Busy parents. Um, How many of us have ever had a fight with our siblings? Remember this. Oh, wow, you, okay, you've got to stop the fighting. Listen to the message twice. Um, James, that wrote this book, who is he? He's the half-brother of Jesus. <laughs> so they probably shared a bedroom, you know, when they were growing up. This is the half-brother of Jesus. He, he would have watched his whole life. And therefore, every single time that they had conflict, at some stage he would have realized that he was in the wrong. <laughs> He would have thought, oh, well, you know, like, at least when we fight with our siblings, we know that they were wrong. <laughs> but James could never say that because his sibling was Jesus. You know, no wonder James says, when you have conflict, don't think about who's right and wrong. Go to your heart. There was a marriage counselor that used to uh, get the, the couples to draw a big circle. And then he would say, now, that represents your um, your." your you're part of the conflict. So that's the pie. Each of you draw. And then you would draw this big pie. And then he would say, okay, now, now just draw whatever you think is your contribution to the conflict. And then like some people, eh, a little slice, you know. And then he says, even if it's a tiny slice, you should say, if you take a slice, you have to be nice because you are part of the problem. The goal is to be right with God. And that means that I humbly acknowledge and take responsibility for my part. And even if the other person that we are in conflict with never owns their part, Scripture teaches us that when we humble ourselves, God will give us grace and God will exalt us. So if you do the right thing because it's the right thing and you honor God and you are in the right and they don't even acknowledge it, God sees and God acknowledges it and God will lift you up. And then you are even more satisfied in being right with God than you are about winning the war. I've heard that the biggest cause for divorce is selfishness. And, humil- and humbling ourselves is the key to resolving conflict. It diffuses the bomb. Instead of saying, I have my rights, I'm going to win this, we say, Lord, what's in me? Is this conflict revealing anything? And I understand, this is off the topic, I understand that there are some people that will try and take advantage and they manipulate and they will use shame and they will even try and make the other person guilty for their part. I'm, I'm, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that have conflict in their day-to-day lives. If that is you, either way, you still, as you humble yourself and go to God, God will look after you, he will exalt you. And if that is your situation, I encourage you to go and talk to someone. Lastly, we draw close to God. Ooh. I'm going to catch that bird one day. It's going to fly over and I'm going to catch it. Um, draw close to God. More of God, not more from God. God wants us to be close to Him. He wants, us, he wants to speak to us. 
He wants us to enjoy peace and have healthy relationships. And the closer we get to him, the more possible those things become. He will even allow conflict to soften our hearts so that we can draw close to God. Yes, we know. The security, hear this, the security, safety, and stability that we look for comes from God and God alone. Imagine this week, every time conflict comes our way, every time we feel angry, we humble ourselves, we search our own hearts, and we draw close to God. We're going to take a a moment now. I have everything in my um, notes color-coordinated, and today all the colors were gone, so I was like, hold on. (laughs) I was a bit confused. I I hope you understood the heart of God there. Um, we're going to take, uh, come to the Lord's table this morning. And, and if there's conflict, this is a great opportunity to go before God and say, Lord, what in me needs to grow, mature, and change? Oh, but Lord, if they will change, no, Lord, there's a lot of smoke in my relationship. I don't want to just open the doors and turn on the fans. What I want to do is get to the root issues. I want to deal with the fire. So as we come forward and as we take, we're going to have a moment, just you and God. And imagine a group of people absolutely humbling themselves before God and saying, Lord, my heart is not to be right unless it's just right with God. So we'll never have a fight again, guys. How cool is that? (laughs) No more conflict. We, all, we, we are all uh, on a journey, and we're all aiming towards that place. I know I'm not there yet, but that's my heart is to get there.